It's the Pikey and Lout Show, Talking Taipans. Chris Pike and Alex Loughton come to you with everything that is 100% Taipans. Let's go. It's Talking Taipans. Hello and welcome to Talking Taipans. It's the Pikey and Lout Show. We're back to talk about everything Cairns Taipans in the NBL. And it's perfect timing, just in time for this last home game of the season. It's going to be a big one. Indigenous round. It's going to be a big night against the Brisbane Bullets. Plenty to look forward to. But there's also plenty for us to catch up on. It's been a bit of an unscheduled break. It's exciting for us to be back on air. I'm Chris Pike, but I'm looking forward to catching up with this man. And I'm sure you're all looking forward to seeing what he's made of everything happening at the Taipans of late. Alex Loudon, the legend himself. It's good to be back on the, on air with you. With you. It's been a been a longer than, a, than expected wait, old Lowes. It has been Pikey, and I'll tell you this, um, Scotty Ninnis even reached out to me uh, from Adelaide and was like, do you know where Pikey is? <laughs> do you know what's happened to Pikey? Is he okay? And we're, you know, you, you posted that uh, image of yourself in the hospital, and we're all quite um, quite concerned. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just excited that you're energetic and, and back at the microphone. But um, yeah, a little bit of a uh, unscheduled uh, situation, I, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, but you're back in good spirits now. Yeah, no, feeling feeling good now. Thanks for thanks for reaching out, and it's, I guess it's times like that where you actually find out the people that you can call call a friend by finding out who actually reaches out. So I'd like to thank thank you, Laos, for for caring enough to reach out to me, and and oh, any time, pl- and plenty of people in the Cairns basketball community as well, including including J- Jasmine, who made sure that um, I was I was reached out to, and just to make sure that I was I was okay. You, so you I couldn't appreciate have picked the support. A- I appreciate you couldn't have picked a busier time. You couldn't have picked a busier time <laughs> with the NBL NBL one set to launch. You're doing every single uh, post game report. Yeah. Um, you talked to me about your timing. Eh? Not 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 so hot on the timing there. No, incredible timing. So this is the first time <laughs> ever. But my seasons usually usually don't clash. So I'm usually pretty much working full on in an NBL season. Then I can move into what we now call an NBL one season, and it all seems to work work nicely and fit in, in together nicely. But not anymore, not because of the way that COVID has affected this NBL season. We get the NBL one season firing up as well. Um, top that off with ending up in hospital, which is not ever anybody's plan. So I, so that was certainly unscheduled. And then top it off and buying a new house and, and trying to, to organise all of that and, and start to move that as well. So talk about... Everything clashing all, big at, moves. all at once. Lot, Unbelievable. Oh, <laughs> a lot of big moves, mate. And and myself, of course, uh, moving jobs as well is not yeah. an easy thing and trying to get your feet under you a bit. Um, but certainly excited for you know for, for a move in a different industry. So there's well, been a lot of the that play. Allows, and of course, it, you're now working for one of the club's great, great partners. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you get Ken Frost Homes and the marketing, and a lot of videography, and a lot of uh, a lot of different arms to the the business, of course. But uh, no, really, really excited about it. Uh, but certainly a lot of work that I'm only too eager to sort of get stuck into but of course it has mean that for both of us uh, a little bit of um, uh, pressure points I guess in terms of time mm. means a little bit of a hiatus from uh, talking type ends but excited to bring the show tonight and uh, excited to get stuck in as uh, you know the last home game of the season uh, we're at that point already yeah. um, but and of course three more away games for the lads and uh, yeah a lot to a uh, lot to digest I guess. This episode of the Pikey and Lowes Show is proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. And Statton's Plumbing Company. Plumbers who care. A lot for us to get through. And I'm glad we've timed it this way because I'm looking forward to Wednesday night. Indigenous round means a lot to the Taipans, probably more than any other club in the league, and especially with Nate Jarwide leading the cause. And I'm happy that it's Brisbane coming to town because they've got one of the other few Indigenous players in the league in, in Tamari Wigness as well. So, that, so that'll be exciting. But also, I think everyone involved in the Taipans playing side of things are pretty excited to reward the fans because the fan support hasn't dropped off. It hasn't been the ideal season, but the support in the Cairns community, which you would have seen up close, Laos, um, it hasn't dropped off. And, and, and that's where Wednesday night is a chance to, to thank everybody. Look, absolutely. The the jerseys also look awesome. Like yeah, the, the artwork yeah. is really incredible. I think it's a, a step up, and I do believe that there is a um, a close connection uh, with one of the lads. Like I think Kerry's uh, one of Kerry's. Uh, 
uh, family members or, or something along those lines that there's a close connection with the artist. And uh, I think think the artist has done a really cool job of the uh, the Cairns jersey. Uh, yeah, just just looks it looks awesome. <laughs> like I just can't mm. believe it. Like the shorts as well. Uh, and I think they they'll sell the replicas as well at the at the game. Um, but yeah, no, really, really excited for, for what it means uh, as part of the reconciliation uh, kind of project that the NBL is uh, sort of uh, progressing each, each year. But this year in particular, um, lo- a lot bigger focus uh, on Indigenous round. And I think it's, um, it's really uh, become quite a big thing, as it should be, and a great one for those Indigenous players, as you mentioned. Yeah, and, and when we had Kerry Williams on the show going back a few episodes as well, if anybody wants to go back in the archives and, and have a listen to, to Kerry when we spoke to him about... Um, his time with the Boomers as an assistant coach as well. He spoke about what it means and, and how proud he is of how far through the, the leadership of the Taipans, really, more than anything, that the NBL is now really embracing this celebration of Indigenous heritage. So, yeah, I think it's a really nice way to, to close the season. Absolutely, and I can't wait for uh, you know the game on Wednesday, and um, you know for the Brisbane Bullets, uh, we saw you know hard fought loss to Melbourne United. Mm. They're they're hanging in. The uh, final four contention by the skin of their teeth, yeah, um, or the just, just out, to, just outside of that. They so just they just have to win. So that that, that makes yep. it makes it a bit more exciting as well. Last time we'll see Andre Lamanas come to town as well. He's leaving as the Brisbane Bullets coach at the end of the season. Um, he's yep. broken yep. your heart a couple of times. So I don't know if you if you feel too bad about him leaving the league. Do you, Laos? Yeah, don't, don't don't mind to see the back of him. Nah, he's a <laughs> he's a great guy. Uh, a lot of players, I've probably got a lot more uh, anger towards some of the players that put the dagger in, mm-hmm. um, you know, along those lines. But yeah. uh, you know, Dre's had a had a huge, uh, you know, career inside the NBL, and of course uh, with with Boomer stints as well. But that three peat at New Zealand uh, certainly was a big big dagger. Um, you know, the, for you know, for the Taipans to play spoiler, I think there's a lot in that. Um, you know, if they yep. can if they can spoil a Brisbane season, I think that's something to focus the energy on. It's this isn't just a throwaway game for fans. This is a big one uh, that they need to to prove to the fans that they're still going to play with heart to the end. Uh, and a chance to spoil a team's uh, playoff run can can also be uh, you know, real positive sort of uh, a win for the Taipans. Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess there's no dancing around it where. We're now sitting from a Taipan's perspective on a seven-game losing streak, which is never—it's never, never a wanted thing. And also on the bottom of the table. And to be honest, we probably have to win all four of these last games to get off the bottom as well. So it, it's not hasn't been the ideal season, but boy, has a lot changed since since we, we last spoke, Laos, here on the Pikey and Laos show. Um, not only is Cam Oliver no longer with the Taipans, he's ended the NBA season with the Houston Rockets playing the type of basketball that means that I wouldn't be at all surprised if he gets offered a full NBA contract for next season. Well, look, I think I think the juices are flowing for that NBA contract. I think he's earned himself a, a veteran camp, um, which often, if that doesn't work out, let's say let's say he's in a veteran camp uh, and it doesn't work out, then he's still joining an NBL team late if he wants to come yeah. to the NBL. Um, you know, do, will he want to hang around uh, family and be in the states and be ready for that that sort of two way deal? Absolutely, I think you're gonna. You, I think he's gonna take that sort of chance. Um, you know, rather than the situation uh, obviously this year where you know the family's uh, been been home in in the US uh, certainly with uh, the wife pregnant and things like that. Um, he's he's certainly felt that that distance as uh, you know she's been living in the states with their, with their other child as well. Um, and he certainly he wasn't comfortable out here mm. it, it really weighed on him you could see uh that really have a a big emotional effect on his game uh and it was I mean, you know we saw, widely, last year, we? We saw how happy he was out here because he had his family by his side so it was the opposite this year wasn't it yeah absolutely no it, it was a big challenge uh you know big challenge for him and i think you know him heading back home um, you know, it had all the a bit, a bit of worrying signs, I, I guess, from from all the fans' perspective for his family's sake. Um, I think those worries probably drifted away pretty quick once he got home um, to his family, uh, and then that call up to Houston Rockets was pretty quick as well. So <laughs> yeah. you kind of go, oh well, he, he seems fine. I think everything's fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, with, what's going on with you know the Taipans? They're in a bit of a hole without mm. you. Um, so you know, I think it had a little bit of anguish. 
perhaps for the club, just losing you know their staff, their power forward. So, um, you know, I, I think maybe that relationship is probably maybe gone a bit stale, or, or certainly in the realms of next season, I, I feel like it seems unlikely uh, for the return. One because he played so well for the for the Rockets for those few uh, games, you know, seventeen points one game, yeah. um, and secondly, it'll you know it's probably got the taste in his in his mouth where he'd really love to be back in the NBA, which of course we wish him, you know, or, or every success. If you get a chance at the NBA, of course you are taking it, um, but you're also um, going to be thinking, well, peripherally speaking, I want to be as close as I can to the action. Does that mean a G League? Do I? Do I do you know? Do I do a G League thinking I'm pretty close to getting a, a 10-day contract, maybe two 10-day contracts, uh, which means I'm signed on for the rest of the season next year? I think he's going to take his chances on that, uh, which would probably more than likely rule him out of a Taipan's uh, contingent um, sort of a position for next season. So, do you think that will happen, Pikey? Will, will that eventuate? Yeah, I agree. I think in terms of his NBA future, it's now or never. If he's going to become a uh, earn a spot on a, on a full roster for next season in, in the NBA. It's going to happen at the start of next season or potentially never. So I think it's, it's now or never for him. He's at that point of his career where it's his second his second chance to, to earn that earn that NBA spot. So, yeah, I think he'll he'll want to go through, um, you know, the summer league, the veterans camp, whatever he needs to do to make sure that he's in, in the States, he's doing all the right things. And and whether it means playing the G League now for, for next season, I think he'll, he'll probably take that. That option, the, um, it's it's obviously he, he's a big loss, obviously. But the positive is, I mean, what sort of um, the positive it, it for me is that it shows that playing at the Taipans and playing in the NBL, you can be doing that one day, and the very next day you can go and play in the NBA, and it's not that big of a jump as we might expect. Yeah, you're not going to miss a beat. Yeah. I think I think you're right. I think the pathways um, is uh, is a is a big coup for the club. I think. That's a you know feather in the cap that the club can sort of say, hey, look, you know, you come here, you're only uh, you know one flight back to uh, mm-hmm. you know through to LA and then through to back to the NBA. I think I think the biggest issue where it can bite the club in the in the behind is that for the Taipans, they need to sign players early, and they don't have the luxury of waiting late and um, you know you know picking up guys for the price that they're asking. If if Oliver is to stay, do the veteran camp, do all that, the Taipans are going to have to be well into their recruiting for the for next year. So they're going to need a player out in Australia already, right? Yeah. What it means is if Cam Oliver doesn't make the the squad for the NBA and then the Wildcats are sitting there going, well, <laughs> here's 500,000, come and play for us. Um, we've, you know, we can get you out here. We'll, we'll make you comfortable. You know, that's, that's a lot more than what the Taipans can sort of throw at him. Um, so, and the timing, as I said, is not going to suit the type hands at all because, you know, they need the guys out here and need them, you know, gelling together and all that sort of stuff. So he could be poached, um, by other clubs in the NBL willing to throw that cash. Now the teams that most likely is the Wildcats because it's two, it's two mil for cotton for two years. That's what you get. Uh, and he delivers, they'll, they'll, they can throw the money at Oliver or the, you know, it's it's a lot of um, uh, if a player already has experience in the league, it's very enticing because they understand. You know, they know the nature of the the beast, they know the lay of the land. Um, well, so, you've got a perfect you know, example right now. They've just signed Will Magno straight out of the NBA. Straight out of the NBA, uh, obviously Tandy these Aussies, you know, yep, all that yep. stuff. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, they they can and do. Even that if they wasn't, have... they had that import spot free anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they did. So, um, you know, they've got some options. I mean, Mooney's played a lot better than I think everyone expected. Um, I do think Cotton is still Cotton without Mooney. I don't think Mooney is still Mooney without Cotton. I I agree. I think a lot of Mooney's success is because Cotton's been finding him in the right spots. Yeah, and and Mooney's delivered. But, I mean, Cotton is is still just uh, an assassin. Mm. Um, Still, he's he's the MVP for me for this league. Look, probably digress a bit, but Oliver... Uh, We might not come back to it. He's not going to play the last two weeks of the regular season. Does that? Yeah. Does he still get the MVP? Absolutely, I, I think so. You know, the quadricep hematoma, whatever. You know, mm. that's that'll you know settle down. But I think he's he's proven enough. Uh, I think I think Melbourne United has done it more by um, uh, by committee. By committee. Yeah. I, I um, but I think. I think Cotton has done it more by Cotton. Oh, sorry, I think the Wildcats have done it more by Cotton. <laughs> um, you I know, actually, I actually dis- think Mooney is his biggest biggest challenger. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, 100%. Well, Cotton's, what, 23 a game or something, and Mooney's on 17 and... Uh, sorry, se- is it seven, 17 and 11? Yeah. 17 points, yeah. 11 rebounds. So, yeah, double-double or a, a an absolute gun uh, who can turn a game. You know, that that fourth quarter against the Taipans where, you know, you pirouettes on the, <laughs> on the three-point line. Shot fake, pirouette, Natai chasing, hand contested, Cotton kicks out the legs uh, and still draws a three-point yeah. uh, foul. And one. Mm-hmm. Drains it and one like Gleason. That's coaching right there, is it? No, it's cotton being <laughs> no. cotton doing cotton such things. I don't think you, there's you, much you X's and O's in that. You? you can't teach it. He's uh, he's he's pretty. Uh, you know, uh, he seems like a, a level above uh, the league. However, um, you know, sorry, digressing. I guess back from the the Cam Oliver tangent. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I my personal gut feeling is that uh, we've we've seen um, Oliver's stint in Taipans come to a close. And I think, um, do you have actually have the the votes up until that point, Pikey? Yeah, do you, you it's, know a, the team? it's a fascinating fascinating discussion. So, in our Player of the Year voting, of course, thanks to our MVP tracker, thanks to Ken's Total Physio. So we've been keeping track of this right throughout the season. So the last game that Cam Oliver played was that one against the Sydney Kings. And round, round 14. Yeah, it? didn't he finish on fire? So his, his last few games, he had against Illawarra, 27 and 12, against Adelaide, 25 and 17, and then against Sydney, 27 and 19. So I think he, so he, I think he knew he was heading home. Yeah, he knew he was going <laughs> so, home. So it's no surprise that it, across those last three games, he got the full nine votes, and that pushed him ahead of Scott Machado. So... After that Sydney Kings game, so up until that point, we'd played 24 of the 36 yep. games for the season. So that had yep. Cam Oliver leading that MVP tracker on 39 votes. Scott Machado was 35. And it's fair to say he was in a bit of a funk at that point. Um, hmm. Machado was. Um, and then there's a fair gap back to the rest. Coat Noy was the next best on 11, and we still won't see him for the rest of the season. Moko yep. Jerick, 10. Jordan Nartai, 10. Nate Jawai, 10. So that was up until the point when Cam Oliver left. Do you think the stats of Oliver and subsequently the these votes, um, do you think that was warranted? Because I feel like there was games in there that maybe he had some pretty good highlights, but there was also a bit of lackadaisical uh, effort on the defensive end that was well publicized throughout, you know, NBL overtime um, and, you know, Shane Hill's show and all that sort of mm. stuff. They just weren't sensing he had the buy-in or the emotional buy-in, I guess, that was needed on on a professional sort of team or what was expected, I guess. He he certainly brought some amazing highlights and can do incredible things, but it was either, you know, it was either that thing that was, you know, just niggling in his mind that he he really wanted to get home and, you know, his mind was elsewhere, um, or was it a, you know, a lack of wins and and that winning feeling that he wasn't juiced to sort of play? What what do you think? Do you think those votes, uh, do you think he was MVP for up until round 14? Or do you think there was, you know, a a bit of uh, conjecture about, you know, how he got, how he went about his business? No, I I think he makes some good points. Uh, I don't, I'll probably agree. He wasn't probably the Taipan's best player up until that point, I still think Machado was. And even though Machado's numbers haven't been as good as they were last year, I think he's had to face a lot more adversity. And I think the du- he's faced the double team a lot more. Um, every time you get into pick and roll, um, pretty much the opposition just decides to double team Machado just to try to trap him. Um, that seems to be the solution. So that makes your life instantly um, very, very tough. And it makes it tough to rack up the assist because you don't have the same calibre as players to to pass to, um, and they're blocking that pass to Oliver that, that worked so well last year. So I, I agree. Um, we're probably also judging Cam on what he did the year before, where legitimately he was one of the best defenders in the league, and I'm not sure he got back to that level this season. So, um, I mean, he, he was still a presence at times, but he probably didn't have the consistency where he was a rim protector a lot this season, and his rebounding numbers, while still pretty good at 10 a game, I don't think he attacked the glass probably as aggressively as he did last season. And maybe he settled for the three-point shot as well a little bit more this season than last. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he might not have played as well as he did last year, but the team didn't either. So how much does that affect his impact? But also the fact, I think, that he just wasn't happy off the court. He was away from his family. A lot of the time they yeah. were out of Cairns as well. And even when he was in Cairns, he's kind of stuck in, in his apartment on his own probably 
FaceTiming his wife a lot, just wishing he was where they were. So I think all mm. of those factors meant that, yeah, I think he still did, still did a pretty good job to perform as well as he did, but I think he would even admit that he didn't perform as well as he did the year before either. It takes a lot of it takes a lot of mental strength to put adversity sort of aside off the court. But I mean, yeah. we all had to go through it as players. I mean, we don't get any excuses really. At the end of the day, it's about your your performance and your team's performance, and you owe it to your teammates to give your best and what you're capable of. And I mean, ultimately, that's why you're there. That's why you sign your contract, uh, and that's why you get your contract. Uh, and the money that uh, that's written on that on that uh, contract. So you know it's it is um, it's not a bit of tough love because it you know no one can say how someone feels going through a situation. Everyone's personal um, sort of situations uh, you know are their own. But um, at the same time, you know there, there's no compensation, I guess, for everyone's got their their troubles that they have to go through, and and to their best of their ability, they have to check it at the door. Um, go play the go play your game. Go give your teammates your absolute best, and then um, you know you, you're going to pick up your, your worries as you leave as you leave the locker room. And um, you know we've, we've like I said, all all the players are going to face uh, adversity of some sort. Maybe it's um, you know family not there. Maybe it's an injury. Maybe it's something um, else as well. And um, you know this it, it's a hard one. So you know, like I said, that mental strength, that mental toughness, um, is what makes the the really good players that are able to be consistent every year um, shine through and um, and and help the team sort of advance forward. But um, yeah, look, I think he's I think he's in a, in a happy place. Um, he, he is still young. I still can't believe he's only twenty four. Yeah, <laughs> like I I, yeah. I joined the Taipans when I was twenty seven. Like that's where I started at, and yeah. so I had a few years of you know honing those mental skills and things yeah. like that. But I don't think I had, um, you know, the mental toughness at that age either. So, um, you know, an injury might have sent me just off on a wrong direction where I thought, you know, uh, negative stuff where where I just carried that into games. Um, he he just looks a lot more mature than what he than yeah, what his age yeah. presents. So, you know, he's a specimen, of course, and um, I, I'm sure that he'll get a, a second chance in the NBA and prove that he that's where he belongs as well. Now, it obviously left a big hole the tight ends, and it was going to be really tough to, to find a quality replacement at that point. Now, the first question I have to ask, when you have a look at it around the league, Tim Conrad has now come out of retirement to play at the Hawks. David Anderson's done the same to come back at 40 years of age to play at Melbourne Oh, don't, United. no, don't even did, bring, did, don't. did Mike Kelly make the phone call, Lowes? Did, did, did he even ask? <laughs> No, mate. No, no, no. I've been, I've been on, I've been at a brewery for two years, and now, and now away from the brewery. Like a, you know, Lowes isn't going to be much help to you, except if you, play, if you're a team that needs a player on a Monday night. You're two uh, years younger than Dave Anderson, though. Oh, Dave. Well, Dave's also a different, a different cat altogether. <laughs> um, but no, no, no phone call for Lowes, and quite frankly, I think that was. Uh, that was the appropriate decision by Mike Kelly. <laughs> okay. Now, he did make a phone call to Venky Joyce, though. And I've, I've really liked what he brings. Um, we can talk about the free throw shooting in a moment. But before we get to that, I love the energy he plays with. I love it when he's aggressive. I think he's he's virtually unstoppable for an opposition defense if he wants to get aggressive and attack the basket. You either have to accept that he's going to score and you all foul him. I don't think there's any other option. He's that good at getting to the basket, that strong, that athletic. Um, I really like the energy that he's brought, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a player to invest in moving forward. Look, I mean, he comes out. It was at the Serbian league, um, yep. Yep. And, and then in, into quarantine. Uh, I think on his own, on his own accord. Um, yeah. But the teams obviously because he was playing on playing NBL one, so he was getting ready for that. Yeah, yeah. So, so obviously, uh, yeah, available or made himself known that it was available, and yeah, I think as an undersized uh, four with the handle. Uh, you saw him cross up um, on that first game, and then and then you know jump off the right, throw it down with two yeah. flex to the crowd under the bucket <laughs> on his first game. And uh, yeah. yeah, I absolutely agree. The energy is is great. Um, teams have probably found out by now that they can live with fouling him um, because mm-hmm. it does send him to the line for a, a bit of a glitch in the uh, the shooting system or the game that that he's uh, you know the avatar for um, so yeah I think uh, energy wise he's probably will be always always on like he's always 
um, you know, on that front foot, probably a good locker room guy, um, you know, always giving you that juice. So you do need those guys and you do want those guys and they can really elevate uh, the team. So, yeah, apart from, okay, the, the free throw, the, the, the glitch in that, that uh, technique, what, what's, what are you making of that? Mm, no, I'm no expert. It's, caused, I'll, it's I'll caused a bit of a, it's caused a bit of a kerfuffle on the Orange Army um, Facebook, Facebook group. And and speaking of armies, the Red Army certainly gave it to him when he was over in Perth. That was a little bit uncomfortable to watch seeing somebody get made fun of. I don't I don't think I liked that a lot. And Mike Kelly didn't like it when he spoke no. post match. But I think he's at four of twenty four on the season right now. And every every road game he's played so far, he's given away free cheeseburgers. So that's one positive. Right. I guess we can we can take take out of it. Um, For the hungry jacks crew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I mean. It, it's 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 t- it's tough to watch. I mean, it's it's an ugly it's an ugly shooting stroke that he's got, um, yep. but it's got to be also playing on his mind now that he's he's missing so many shots. Um, it's amp- it's amplified now, yeah. isn't it? So, it's, so it's you you were a terrific free throw shooter throughout your whole I imagine your whole life, certainly through your whole NBL career. Um, when you look at his stroke, what do you see? Is there an easy fix immediate immediately? Well. The aim of consistency, I guess, in shooting technique is one one motion. Okay, mm-hmm. now having said that, Mirko Jerek has two motions. It goes back and then it goes forward. He's got a two motion shot, yeah. and that's hard to get consistent, but he's done it. So that's you know that is a possibility with with Venky Joyce or with my free throw, for instance. Um, you know, you you have your dribble, you get set, and then from where you hold the ball, your ready position, your shot position to your shot, it was always one smooth motion. And then because it was one motion in that one direction, uh, basically straight up, not like Jerick's where it goes back and then up, um, then it could be consistent. And then it's just about reps. With Venki's shot, it looks like he just gets tight in the shoulder. It's got a little hitch where it's moving, the ball's moving laterally before he releases it rather than just straight up and straight forward. So there's something in there that I'm not quite sure how it's happened, uh, but it's it's definitely a bit of a hitch in the uh, in the in the technique or in the shot. So that's an off season kind of fix, I think. Um, in terms how, of how tough relax- is it though when you're when you're this far into your life and your career, how tough is it to change your your shooting stroke? Well, it, it takes it takes a big chunk of time. I mean, you know, yeah. it's you know the usual ten thousand hours before you get good at something. If you've if you've honed a bad habit or a bad technique for so many hours, it's going to be entrenched in your DNA for a long time until you probably spent, uh, you know, another five thousand hours fixing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of uh, you know, really putting in and concentrating on that work. If it just has happened naturally, then he's you know going to constantly um, you know uh, reiterate the same technique until yeah. someone's someone's prepared to put the time in. So I mean, it's got to start with him, of course. You're putting um, your hand up, and and yeah, and then and then also having the right sort of um, coach, probably mentally just as much as yeah. physically getting it straightened out a little bit. Um, but I mean, even even Shaq found a way to uh, you know put put the uh, uh, such a small ball in his big hands and <laughs> try and you know get it closer to the rim but it's also Venky shot has also been short so yeah. he's not giving enough height as yeah. well so there's a couple of different elements there um you know too late to fix before a season finishes but enough time in he can just always go and grab the offensive rebound and put it back like he did a, the other yeah, night throw it the down with two hands yeah, yeah exactly no, I think it's I think it's probably one off season, um, and you know one off season of, of solid work and and a coach mm-hmm. that believes in you as well, uh, and then also a bit of a, a bit of a mental uh, strength kind of thing as well. Where uh, if it does start to happen again, then you've got some tools in your uh, mental toolbox to um, you know make sure that it doesn't affect you. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, it it's amplifying now because he's continually missed, um, and now it's playing on his mind as a bit yeah. of a, a secondary problem. Um, so yeah, there's there's a couple of <laughs> there's probably a lot going on there, but <laughs> a free throw should be simple. A free throw to be yeah. consistent should be one motion, uh, and it should look sort of smooth. Um, and you know, some people is going to struggle. I mean, he's very athletic. He's got a gift of that. I, I certainly envy that. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, what I lacked in athleticism, I made sure I made my free throws. <laughs> um, difficult question because I think we both agree he's got a good enough game to be in the NBL, but. If he doesn't fix this problem, could it cost him? Could it cost him that chance? 
Well, I think you you know every player is going to have their good traits weighed up against their what the negative traits are, and I think um, I mean that could be a, a bit of a liability uh, in terms of coaches looking at the list and going, well, um, you know, don't like to check this box, but at the same time, you look at the ninth and tenth and eleventh man on some teams, and you go, well, I could use an athletic yep. power forward that oh, can sure. um, bust past any any person in his position uh, with a crossover and throw it down. I mean, you need finishers. Um, around the rim and he certainly uh, you know probably checks a lot of positive boxes mm-hmm. so um, he's actually he's actually not a bad pickup in my opinion and um, worth taking a chance on for the sake of uh, fixing a free throw if a coach can't spend a bit of time and fix a fix a free throw um, then you know maybe maybe they don't maybe they're the wrong uh, wrong, <laughs> wrong profession but yeah, um, I think sure. I think there's certainly a lot of upside and you can't sort of teach that energy and that enthusiasm uh, and I think that's a, a big big plus in, in his uh, in his court a ball in his court that's good this episode of the Pikey and Lows show is proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio less pain more life and Statton's plumbing company plumbers who care One of the other great positives out of this season has been the emergence of Tad Duffelmeyer as, as a point guard. Um, he really didn't see any court time at all through the first half of the season, but then, but then all of a sudden, his chance came when Scotty Machado got got hurt. I think it was it was in in that game against Illawarra, and he came out in the second half yep. of that game and showed some great signs. Then he started the next game in Machado's absence and led the team to to a big win. I think that was that was against was that Adelaide. first game, the game winner three. Was yeah, that, he did. Which, he, he absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love his game. He he can run the club. He can run the offense. He's a good distributor. He's a good scorer and shooter. Um, I like his defense. We saw two straight plays the other night against, um, I think it was in, in the game against Illawarra, or it might have been the, one oh, of the yeah. Wildcats games where two straight plays. He, yeah, no, it was against Perth because Trevor Gleeson yeah. very yeah. quickly ripped Shredge on, yeah. on, on his point guard. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah totally. I mean, two straight plays, he just stripped him at, at, at half court and went in, and one of them was a, a nice dunk that he finished with. So he's de- yeah. and he's shown that throughout the whole season now. His defense is, is really strong. Um, I think he's an outstanding all-round point guard, and whether it's at Cairns or somebody else, he's going to be on a full, on a full contract somewhere in the NBL next year. I think I think he certainly will be. Now let me let me uh preface this uh prediction I guess for Duffelmeyer with this story. So at the Perth Wildcats when I was there for 2 years, uh 07 to 09, uh, 2007, 2007 to 2009, uh there was a player there a DP and he couldn't believe that he wasn't in the league already on a full-time contract. Um you know, he could shoot the ball pretty good. Um he come across from the interstate so he, he he's just waiting for his opportunity and he, he just couldn't believe that at his age at 21 or 22 he still hadn't had his opportunity uh his name was chris golding and i think <laughs> we all know that um you know his career turned out to be pretty much on the on the path that he was predicted as a junior so mm. sometimes it just takes a bit of time to connect the dots where you get your opportunity now injuries players going down um you know at 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 wit's end, I guess, for Coach Kelly in terms of what, what are we going to go to. Um, Duffelmeyer has gotten his opportunity and uh, with his skill set, he's been able to deliver. He's an athletic um, point guard with the handle. He's the second playmaker for the Taipans. Mm-hmm. Funny, the diamond in the rough, that the one that they've been looking for was sitting on the bench the whole time. Oh, the whole um, first half of the show, take... we were talking about who is going to be the other one that can make a, make a play. Because it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be Noy, and it was certainly wasn't going to be King. Um, mm. You know, the, they haven't shown the ability to put the ball on the deck and get to the rack and be a playmaker and distribute. And it turns out that Duffelmeyer is has been the key to, uh, I guess, unlocking uh, or providing a break, a breather for Machado. Yeah. Just yeah. finally, someone else to palm the ball off to to go and make something happen, find open players, get on the rim. Do all that kind of defend the point guard there, you know. So Machado hasn't had the rest all season long, and it's because there hasn't been a second playmaker, a second guy that can dribble the ball and make things happen. Mm-hmm. Duffelmeyer has proven that he is very capable. He's proven he can hit the three, um, stretch the floor, make guys guard him. They don't have to go under every screen, and he's got a, a great court vision. Thought he was a little sloppy early when he came into, um, started to play some minutes there. And I just uh, really wanted him to finish those those plays, like two-on-ones where he'd throw the ball a bit too hard and it, yeah. you know, just those teething kind of 
things where he'd just recalibrate to a faster league, a better league, uh, and he's done that. And I think certainly he's proven he's um, played himself into a contract. Does he sign early? No, he doesn't. His agent says, wait, you've been playing so well, you're going to have a few clubs chasing after you. Is it Tasmania where he's from? Is it mm-hmm. Taipans who desperately need a second playmaker, uh, an Australian second playmaker? Is it, you know, is it, who's it going to be? I think a lot of teams are going to have a lot of interest in having a good quality backup point guard who can go and score the ball. Yeah, I agree. Um, how much would you like him to stay in Cairns, though? Is he is he now be, does he become a priority for the Taipans? I think so. I think so. I think um, they've got to be on the front foot and they have to get in early um, and and at least show that interest. They can't sit back and wait like with McCarran or Glidden and say, you never gave us the opportunity to counter the offer. You need to have your offer ready to go and you need to be on the front foot and show that you are keen and that um, you, you want this guy because uh, he'll be taken. He'll be taken mm-hmm. like it's happened many times before and you know the fans are frustrated that we're losing good quality Australian players who are now all um, superstars for their respective teams. McCarran at Melbourne, Sobey at Brisbane, um, guys Glidden. that should probably be Glidden, guys that probably at least one or two Boomers players sitting on in an orange jersey that can complement your big purchase of Machado and Oliver. You need Boomers players in your roster as well. Another player in a similar situation out of contract is Majuk Deng. I would hate to see him playing somewhere else last year, be, next year, sorry, because he's before and after his injury this year, he's he's in career best form. He, he he's in, improved his um our production. He went yep. from I think it was at twelve, maybe twelve last year to fourteen this year. This was one of the guys that we spoke about early on in the podcast, Pikey. The the production needed to be elevated from um Deng, Noy, and we needed to see at least eleven or twelve a game from King mm. to replace or or balance out the the holes left behind from um, you know, DJ Newble. So yeah. we didn't get that production out of King. We got the same production out of Noy and we got more production out of Deng. So he's yeah. probably the only one out of those three that elevated their output. Um, and I think definitely as an Australian big, um, he's certainly proven that he's a starter and he's a capable of um, providing those those valuable points, uh, those valuable finishes and that defensive uh, presence. He's still, he's still light on for my liking. I, I'd really like to see him put some a little bit more size on. Yeah. Um, that's up to him. If he if he wants to bang with these these guys in this league um, and really be uh, you know show that strength down the stretch in a postseason. Um, uh, series, you've got to have a bit more size on him. I know he plays light, he plays fast, um, but I don't think that's. I think you just need to be a bit stronger to handle the the rigors of those those postseason um, series, uh, five game series. You, you've got to be able to last the distance. So, um, I think for the Taipans, I think securing your Australian or New Zealand, you know, your local talent first is big, and you've got to secure. Which which players are going to be in your starting five, and then you go and get your imports to suit and complement those capable starters that are Aussies and New Zealanders. So you definitely need a point guard, Machado. But if you've got Deng, maybe you need a five import. If you've mm-hmm. got if you've got an Aussie five and an Aussie four that can play twenty five to thirty minutes, um, and then maybe you need a DJ Newble. Maybe you need that second ball handler as a two, or maybe you need an athletic scoring three man. Uh, and then you've, you got, then you would push Noy off the bench, but you've got to secure a starting five that can produce for you and perform. And, and then you go and look at your import talent. Yep. I completely agree. And I think we're all hoping that the three imports are back next season. And I think a lot of signs are pointing towards DJ Newble being an automatic Return to the Taipans. When is the league? When will the league announce um, the three import kind of mm. uh, conjecture that Shane Hill's certainly been uh, promoting? I, I think. <laughs> he, I think it's. He's the only one that discusses it, doesn't he? Um, well, the, I mean, there's an extra team in the league. I think. I think the. I think the, we need to know. You know. I mean, the teams need to know now, don't they? Well, I mean, the free agency is going to open up two weeks after um, the last grand final game, yep. and you know, teams will have to know. Of course, they'll know first, but. 
you know, I think I think preparations are starting to, you know, we're starting to see some changes now. Well, we're like, going to see a shorter know, turnaround too. Next, all signs are pointing towards an October start again. So all of a sudden, that's only four months away. Yeah, well, a lot of those inroads happen before free agency. Even if yep. the player says, "Oh, we're not talking to teams," of course they're talking to every yeah. mm-hmm. every player who wants to get a good contract is talking to teams. I don't care what you know the rules are; it's happening behind you know closed doors. Um, sorry, it's not it's not happening behind closed doors. It's happening on the on uh, the phone and things like oh, that. Look, where it's happening through um, the agents, absolutely, yeah through the agents and they're just feeling out say hey if, if so-and-so was available what, what would you be what would be your interest in so-and-so uh, not that i'm saying that he is available but if he was available mm-hmm. what would be your interest in like well if he was available i'll be very interested in in Duffelmeyer. i mean uh the player that you're speaking of um <laughs> you know it'd be it'd be conversations like that that would a hundred percent be happening right now and that's why knowing if it's three imports or two yep. would have a big impact on that as, as an example, Jarrell Martin of the Sydney Kings, I really like his game. I would I would be more than happy for him to come in as my big import. You bring in Newball, you bring back Machado as my three imports. I'd be happy with that to build around. Well, you've got options. If you're gonna if you're gonna pay the same amount as um, uh, Cam Oliver and Machado, um, you know Cam Oliver, for instance, is is injured the year before, right? Uh, after the NBA season, so he's probably uh, a have a bit of a risk over his head, so he can, maybe comes in a little bit uh, at a better price. Um, so Taipans, you know, we, we snap him up, and then the next season, this current season, he's worth back to what you know he, he was uh, supposedly worth before. Mm. Um, so you know the price went up for this season. Now, if you're prepared to pay this year's price again, then you actually have options. Um, you have other players just as good as Cam Oliver. Um, you know, waiting in the wings that are also peripheral NBA guys, for instance. So, I mean, Jarrell Martin's a, a great pickup. I don't think he's a, as expensive as a, a Cam Oliver, but he certainly, um, you know, would be a, a great pickup as a as a five. Uh, he's certainly proven himself this year. He's got a nice handle. Um, he's been effective for them. Yeah, um, is that is, is that the exact right type of player? Uh, I'm not 100. I do like his game though. I'm just not sure if he's the exact right fit. Um, but but like might, I said, yeah. you, potentially somebody that's two inches taller is probably what you're looking for. I think you need a six yeah. eleven at least that's going to uh, be able to battle the the long length of you know your Jock Landales, your Jordan Hunters, all that kind of yeah. um, guys that are coming into the league now. Athletic guys that are finishing on the rim, um, you know they're, they're already six eleven uh, or, or more, but yeah. they have to have. They got a pretty good skill set. Like Isaac Humphreys, I love mm-hmm. as a you yeah. know the big for Adelaide. Um, I really rate his game. I actually really rate what Jordan Hunter's doing at the moment yep, for Sydney Kings. Yeah. Um, Even Wetzel you know, Angus, with the Phoenix. Yeah, Wetzel with the Phoenix, I think, is a little bit undersized for for my liking as a five, mm-hmm. but as a four, great. Um, I, I I wonder what Angus Brandt's doing. I know he played in yeah. Japan. I know he's yeah. loving out and about, but I, you know, it might be time to rein, you know rein him in back home. Um, you've got to secure your Aussie talent first and you've got to do something about that before you uh, fill in the other pieces of the puzzle. We haven't mentioned Nate Jarwai. How good has it been to see him, given the starting role since the departure of Cam Oliver, and to see him show that he can dominate NBL games still? I'm I'm loving watching it when he takes over a game. It's probably not happening enough for my liking. There's still big, long periods of games where he doesn't see the ball, but... When he catches the ball down low, um, he is absolutely unstoppable. And I asked um, Ty, Ty Harrison from the Bullets this earlier tonight after their game against Melbourne United and he and how much he was looking forward to playing against Nate on Wednesday night. And he said he's just going to spend the next two, not, two, two nights watching film and trying to work out how to not get pushed under the basket and, and bullied, bullied by him. I mean, he's still somebody that puts, puts, <laughs> he still puts fear into opposition players. Oh, absolutely! A hundred percent, and he's been playing awesome. Uh, and the opportunity and his mindset—it's been a mentally tough year. And I think he's um, matured even more throughout the year um, than you know at the start. I think he's mm-hmm. um, you know he's, he's been playing just just really good basketball, really solid, um, and and he's been energetic and exciting. Um, you know, getting a big bucket, he's flexing, he's yelling, he's doing um, everything that really gets himself going in that regard as well. So it it's, looks it's sort of he looks um, really healthy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think mentally and physically, I think he's in really good in really good shape. 
um, for being uh, effective on the court. And um, I think it's worked well for him. Um, you know, whatever he's done and these, these uh, I mean, probably building up to this point, he's been ready. There's been a couple of really big games, even with the whole team um, around and, and available yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the big win against Sydney comes to mind, that 20-point game. But mm. he's had a few, you know, 19, 20-point games uh, in this latter part of the season. So usually bodies are breaking down and fatiguing. I feel like he's gone the other way. He's actually, um, you know, he's actually improved throughout the season um, and, and really getting a nice feel and putting together a quite tidy, um, you know, uh, year. So it's been, been really good to see. I just love to see that passion come through and the guys get amongst it and he's been absolutely bullying the other bigs, mm -hmm. just dislodging them and, and, <laughs> and having his way around the rim uh, and finishing nicely, getting to the free throw line as well. Um, you know, I, I still I still think he's a great uh, backup because he's, he's not going to go for 25 or 30 minutes a game. He can't. You need a, you know, you need a not starter that season, can... No. They can do that? No, but he's certainly capable for that, that 15, uh, 15 minutes a game kind of role and, and perfect as a backup and, and good for um, you know, leadership and, and having that mature head around the boys, around the lads um, is, mm. is certainly what you need, a bit of, that, uh, bit of that diversity on each squad. And he was asked a few weeks ago if he was thinking about this being his farewell tour over the next few weeks and he was insulted that he was even asked that question and I think that's a good sign. I think there's every reason that he should be playing at least next season, if not beyond that, if he can keep this up. Is it a, now, is it a two-year deal? I'm sure he's still signed for next year, yeah. There's still a, still a, yeah, still for next year. So, yeah, I, I think so. I think um, that's that's warranted, I guess, that, you know, he's, he's quite upset at that question. Did you ask that question? No, it wasn't my <laughs> question. No, happy that was, it that's mine. good. You're a smart <laughs> man, a smart man. Um, but no, I think um, you know he's certainly mentally in the headspace to continue um, his output at the, the current rate. I think he's got a his biggest challenge will be to stay healthy in the off season and find ways to um, you know stay in shape and start the year well. You don't want to start on the back foot and having to to lose uh, weight. You know, being ready by the end of the season, you you want to be in, in as light a shape as you can uh, because the wear and tear on on a on a guy. Uh, as the bigs, anyone over sort of that six, seven, six, eight is going to have be heavier and put a lot more weight on those joints. So your best chance is to be a bit lighter as you get older. Think about your, your Dustin Fletchers of the AFL world, you know, getting lighter as he got older into his forties and playing. Uh, but it certainly has an has an effect on your on your joints moving. Um, you know, the big bodies around. So um, you know, and I think he's I think he's been quite mature about his approach um, these last. Sort of few years, and in particularly now, I think it's starting to serve him well uh, that he is looking after himself. So yeah, I think great, great job for Nate. Um, still have the touch and still have um, the ability to to dominate when he's um, in in the game and has the energy levels up. Uh, and I think it's been good for him and good for the team. One last player I wanted to talk about, Mojave King. Um, obviously, a lot of interest about him coming into this season as a next star. Um, obviously, he hasn't been able to stand out as much as say, a Josh Giddy has, but I still think he's got better as the season's gone on. He's getting a few more minutes now. He's he's being more more effective with his shot and being a bit more aggressive with the ball as well. So I think the signs are getting better. But for mine, I would love him to stay for a second season, not even think about this NBA draft, but nominate for next year's NBA draft and then hope that he develops a lot more in the next 12 months. What do you, how, how have you seen his season and what do you think he does for next season now? Um, well, I... I know it's always prefaced with a I can't believe this kid's eighteen uh, yeah. in terms of his athleticism, um, but then you got to go well. Giddy's eighteen as well, and and you know Giddy's mindset is is totally different. He's probably a lot more aggressive um, and a lot more hungry. I guess is might, might be the yeah, word. Sure. And I I think I think the way that Giddy might approach it uh, off the court is has a huge say in how he plays on the court. I think you know that those extra those self-motivating players will find a way to continue um, their their development and not rely on a on a coach to develop him. I think Mojave King's perhaps a little bit the other way. He's he's gifted athletically. I I think he's probably made every single team he's ever tried out for because he's just that much more athletic yep. than them. Yep. Yep. So has that made him perhaps a little bit more docile in self-motivation? I think possibly. Um, you know, he probably hasn't never really faced another player in his athletic level sure. in any of his junior yeah. teams coming through. 
Um, so does he need to have a lot more fire lit under his camp to motivate him to improve and develop? I'd say that that seems to be the case. Um, and, you know, Mike Kelly's going to have a lot of a lot of boxes to check, um, you know, as any NBL coach does um, to get the players ready, to get the teams ready. Does he have enough time to, you know, put in all those hours motivating Mojave? I, I feel like it's up to the player mm. to be a self-motivator um, and, you know, go out and seek um, those 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 coaching um, kind of uh, sessions and things like that, those extra sessions. Say, hey, who can rebound for me? Hey, what have you got? What can I do? What can I improve? That sort of, you know, they're the players that really excel quickly, I, I think. So... Um, what's the, what's the answer here? Does what does the coach need to be more proactive? Does the player need to be proactive? Can you change a young player's mindset? Will an agent now, Moldovan, um, who's got many players in this league, will he step in and demand you know more development for his star next star? You know who's what's going to happen here? I don't I don't really know. I do think he's a di- a different cat. I do think he's a different kind of player to you, Josh Giddies. So, you know, the expectation for him just to come in and um, take over and do all that perhaps wasn't the right sort of train of thought. Um, so he, they're going to, the gonna, Taipans are going to have to, because he's got two years, right? I believe is that that, that was the deal, the two-year deal. They're going to have to find a way that he can continue his development and improvement um, and be a more of an impact because he wasn't the impact that was expected um, of this season that that he needed to be, and they need to find a way to to make him serviceable in that role and still continue to develop. Yeah, I think you make some great points, and I think the biggest biggest thing in comparison to Josh Giddy is that I think you're right. Josh is a real self motivator, and he motivates himself, and he's got that natural work ethic himself to get better and. And I think that's what has driven him. And that's why he's been able to be aggressive as a point guard running that team. That's why he's been able to rack up triple doubles in Adelaide. Whereas it does look like Mojave is a little bit more passive and wants things to come to him and perhaps doesn't want to make things happen himself, which which, which is okay. You can be a spot-up shooter and, and, and be that type of player. But if he wants to make the NBA, he needs to be somebody that wants the ball in his hands and he wants to be a playmaker. He wants to set up the offense. He wants to attack the basket, he wants to get his own shot, he needs to do all those things that Josh Giddy's now doing, and I wonder if that's enough motivation for him. So I think a lot of people saw them on similar level coming into this season, where if either of them could be a first-round draft pick, it was a good result. All of a sudden, Josh looks like he's now at least a top-10 draft pick, and he's signing a multi-million dollar contract in, in a couple of months' time. Is that enough motivation to, to light that fire under Mojave, or is it, like you said, is it a coach's responsibility to do it? It's a bit of the chicken or the egg, isn't it? It's mm. like, well, uh, you know, not every player is motivated by the money as such, but, you know, you, you're certainly motivated by, um, you know, wanting to take over a game, wanting to mm-hmm. get wins, uh, I feel. Like, uh, you know, you've got to be hungry enough to go and take a chance and make mistakes. If you're, too, if you're going to be a bit bashful and, and not decide to go and make something happen knowing you know that it, it might not come off like you can't be afraid of that you've got to you know as Dusty Reichart mentioned earlier in the podcast you got to grab the bull by the horns and, and take your opportunity um, you know we, we saw he was passing up that opportunity early so I mean is that is that Mike Kelly's sort of fold is it is you know is people saying he's got to be out there longer is it is it sort of Mojave's responsibility to be aggressive like is you know he's got to learn how to be aggressive first so yeah it's a bit of a tricky one um you know and I don't know what would be you know the agent's conversation in Mojave's ear um you know well you know that that'll have a big impact as well what what the agent thinks what the agent wants because a young impressionable impressionable player is going to not really know who to sort of believe or think or you know all that kind of stuff he needs guidance and he needs needs someone to sort of show him the way of it so maybe it's somewhere in between maybe it's a you know you can't just let a guy be be on himself um you know be by himself and and self-motivate and all that sort of stuff maybe you've got to sort of show him the way a bit i don't know i don't know what sort of the the answer is there but it certainly can't be the situation that it was this year, I guess. It's got to be something different. Something's something different has to shift in that that coach player relationship, or um, the 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 yeah. I, I think it sort of starts there because that's where the work gets done is on yeah. the floor. 
And, you know, the, the proof of the pudding, I guess, is, is on the game performance night. And, you know, he's got a responsibility to deliver. And it's a, it's a big, bad world out there in, in the big leagues. It's not the juniors anymore. You're up against just as athletic players now, mm-hmm. uh, even though he does have the advantage of the young legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's got to he's, – he probably starts with Mojave. He's got to decide – He's got to decide if he wants this or not. He's got to decide yeah. if he wants an NBA deal. He's got to decide if he wants to put in the hard work. Those are the questions. If, you, if you're not sure if you're putting in enough hard work, um, then you know, yeah. you're probably, probably complacent. I mean, you, you know, if you know that you've left it all out there when no one's looking, if you're, if you're getting them up when no one's looking, if you're asking for help when no, one's, you know, no one else is around and you go and seek out coaches, you go seek out extra video, if you go seek out... And just, you know, you're exhausting yourself until the point where you, you can't, you know, you can't do it anymore. You can't fit anymore into one day. Then maybe you can, you're going to hang your hat on, you know, you gave it everything you got. But if you're not, then, you know, you're going to end up, um, you know, 10 years in, in the league and as a solid, you know, sort of athletic player, but you never quite made the, the big time like you were sort of promised by everyone as a junior. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's probably a point in, you know, a great sort of, eye-opener for this season uh, and certainly hope that there's a lot of hunger for more for next year. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, now, I think we've been through most of the playing group. Do you get a feeling that in terms of the coaching staff and around the club, there's a, a bit of a feeling of change coming towards the end of this season and maybe looking towards the future, Laos? Yeah, look, I mean, I think so. I think, um, you know, the the normal indicators are, you know, all on public display, I guess. The Marlins usually have Jamie O'Loughlin uh, as the coach and uh, Kerry Williams is stepping into that role for this season. Um, it's normally been a, a, a bit of a pipeline, I guess, from Marlins players to uh, Taipan's kind of roster spots um, in terms of how that, how that team is used, the Marlins team. So, um, you know, with no... Jamie O there, you, you get a sense that maybe the um, you know the, the coaches are looking around, maybe just for a bit of a, a breath of fresh air in the off season, um, that kind of thing. Um, you know, Fab Fab's playing down in a different team in the NBL One North uh, this season, probably similar thing. Like it's it's been a tough mm. year. Uh, I dare say a bit of fresh air is going to do everyone pretty good. I don't know, obviously contract wise, uh, where everything stands, but you got you get the feeling after a year like this. You know, there's going to be a shift of some sort. I don't know, you know, player-wise, um, you know, what kind of coaching sort of squad uh, they'll, you know, sort of roll with. But, yeah, do, do you get the feeling that different different people are going to need need a bit of time just to reassess uh, is sort of, I guess, is, is what I'm thinking is that yeah, it's got to be a bit of a... potentially. It's been the same the same coaching staff for three years now. So maybe it's a, there's a, a little bit of a feeling that, you know, you might want a bit of a change. In terms of Jamie O'Loughlin, though, we've got two coaching vacancies right now, the Sydney Kings and the Brisbane Bullets. Um, is he any chance for either of those in, in your mind? Oh, look, I think he's certainly going to put his hand up and, um, you know, he's, he's been at the Wildcats for a few years. Um, he's been uh, obviously at Taipans under Fernie and Taipans under under Mike. I mean, all, all assistant coaches... Um, you know, would, uh, are ready to pounce on those opportunities. So I, I, I fully uh, agree that he will be putting up his hand and, um, you know, all that kind of, that kind of stuff. So that's a bit of a bit of a process. But yeah, we certainly, mm. you know, obviously wish every assistant coach the the best opportunity or the all the best for those those kind of opportunities that come along. So, um, you know, every you know, even Mike Kelly sitting down in in Melbourne. Um, when the the Taipans job opened up, um, you know it's a it's a big big move, but that's part of the it's part of the deal, isn't it? You you got to go where the opportunity is, um, and you know you never know how long uh, you've you've got there, and um, you know you certainly got to take your chances. So um, yeah, and of yeah, was it Sydney? And there was another Brisbane. another squad Brisbane, yeah, of course, Lamanus out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, pretty pretty kind of uh, close to. Close, sort of, uh, to home, <laughs> um, so not too far away. And uh, but obviously, Jamie's got uh, ties in from back in Melbourne. He's from Melbourne yep. uh, and Geelong and all that sort of stuff. So I think he's, he's heading there for a bit of a holiday in the off season. But um, certainly, I'm, I'm sure for a lot of these guys, it's been such a long um, off season last year. You know, just just getting out of Dodge just for a bit of a breather. 
um, it's probably helped them all sort of re recollect and and you know come either come back or certainly apply for those positions and and look forward for future opportunities. Now you touched on the Marlins. Old Lowes is hitting the floor once again under Kerry Williams. How's the body holding up and how's the how's the shooting touch? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> I said I said I wasn't going to play. I told you on the show. I confirmed it on the show. You've you've poked and prodded and worn me down. <laughs> and I and I blame you, Pikey. Mm. I, I blame you for planting that that seed and I blame uh the Marlins for picking up the phone and <laughs> asking me uh Kerry that made the call. Hey, yeah, well, Kerry and Kerry and, and and Mike Scott put in a, okay. a bit of a word, but um, you know, I, I'm assuming that a couple of tight ends players are, are sort of in the works, and I'm just sort of filling in for the first six games. Uh, I don't know any more than that, and I was quite happy just to um, you know join the lads, obviously, to start the season, and it's and it's been fun. And in uh, Kerry Williams in his first. Uh, coaching stint for the Marlins, um, having been a player for so many years, uh, got got his first win, popped the cherry uh, for the NBL North, NBL One North uh, League. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's good to see him get a W uh, on the board and and start things off on on the right sort of foot. Well, one and two, we're one and two, yeah. uh, early days, yeah, early days, uh, but certainly very, very, very sore uh, on Sunday <laughs> and in no um, ability to play his Monday night game tonight. <laughs> so we call in a forfeit. <laughs> oh, you forfeited. <laughs> we oh, no. had too many, too many guys. Well, well half, the, half the Marlins team plays on Monday nights. Uh, Jimmy Mitchell, we're all a bit, bit uh, worse for wear after the weekend. Yeah, but you, but you're defending header. a championship in that Monday night league. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but we've got a few forfeits up our sleeve. No, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, no, certainly, certainly fun to roll to roll out the bones. Um, and uh, you know, Marlins is a is a proud uh, club, and obviously, yeah, the championship back in. I thought it was always a couple of years ago. Oh, we won a championship a couple of years ago, two thousand and sixteen. It was oh, so okay. five years ago was the last championship. Um, but uh, look, just just happy to be able to run around with some really good uh, players and some. Uh, former uh, Taipans as well, Deborah George, James Mitchell, Kurt Arwang, uh, a lot of your favourites. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's kind of been fun from fun from that side of things, as well as new up and comers, uh, Kai Statman, um, you know, uh, oh, Marshall Ware. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of young guys that have been around um, in the in all the juniors, and they're starting to um, you know come into those senior sides now. Uh, as they sort of prepare to launch uh, into the next phase of their budding uh, careers. So we've got a bit of a mix, a bit of an old and new, uh, and a, a bit of a homecoming for a few of those um, guys that have been away for, for quite a few years. And I've noticed you, you've been making the most of this NBL1 setup as well. You can watch games from all around the country as well and catch up on some of your old teams and your old teammates. Oh, I love it. I reckon it's great. If yeah. anyone hasn't sort of given it a crack, um, yeah, it's just a select your conference and it's sort of how I always thought might might work really well to, to make everything in sync and that way it just sets it up beautifully for a finals or a nationals with mm. all the winning um, teams and maybe a, a second good performing team. So a nice little bracket. I'm sure it'll just be the top four teams. Uh, all the winners of each of the conferences, but maybe in future years they might be able to bring in, um, you know, an at-large bid, and it's got that real college feel to it. I I, I don't know yeah, if you yeah. get that same sense, oh, but six, 16 teams per conference, right? Like there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, fringe NBL players, a lot of yep. NBL players that'll head back down. Uh, I reckon uh, it, it's great for the local fans because the teams like are, are pretty much all locals plus uh, a few extras, uh, and it's and it's awesome sort of fight by the players. A lot of a lot of passion, a lot of um, uh, players keen to impress and then hopefully get a call up. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of passion and a lot of fight, uh, which is what you want to see from a local level, and then you can sort of see it all come into uh, fruition as as the league will will. Uh, progress through the season and I reckon um, you know it gives you the ability to, to track some players as well some good players over in in Perth in that in the Western Conference the good players down in that South, Southern con- mm. Conference um, so yeah it's good it's it's uh, it's it's really well set up but I like the user experience uh, of the websites and the app of course yeah. Um, so yeah I, I reckon um, yeah it's, I reckon it's a great thing yeah I, I agree it's, fa- it's fantastic so as soon as this NBL season finishes just jump on and and follow your NBL1 competition because you can just 
any any Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you can watch any game from anywhere in the country. It's it's it's, it's something pretty pretty special that has got up and going so quickly. So check that out. This episode of the Pikey and Lowes Show is proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. And Staten's Plumbing Company. Plumbers who care. More immediate matters, Lowes. That, yep. let's, let's finish off talking about Wednesday night. It's, it's a big occasion for the Taipans. It's important to send this season off at home on a positive note. Play well against the Brisbane Bullets. It'd be nice to end their finals hopes. That's always nice when you play against a rival. Let's just hope it's a it's a it's a good night. Really glad to be back on air with you here on the Pikey and Laos show. It's been a lot of fun and there's been a lot for us to dissect. So we'll have one more episode of this season where we'll wrap up the season. We'll announce our MVP thanks to the MVP tracker with Cairns Total Physio. Thank you, of course, to Staddens Plumbing Company for their ongoing support as well. And they'll bring us a special guest, which we'll We'll organise in time for our last episode, Laos. Thanks for your support over the, the last few weeks, which has been a bit of a tough time, but thank you for being there for me. It, it's nice to, to know who, who your, your friends are during these times, so thank you, Laos. And let's wrap up this show with some wise words from the one and only Alex Loughton. Oh, absolutely. A rivalry round, Indigenous round, um, a lot of great players on the floor representing their, their heritage. Um, the jerseys look fantastic. Um, the game's going to be a cracker, actually. Last one of the season at, at home for the Taipans. Uh, and certainly we want to you know, bring them home uh, with a lot of, lot of support. So I definitely encourage you guys to get to the game and uh, you know, show your colours and uh, really, really support the lads and support the guys that have really lifted. I, I really like the way you know, Duffelmeyer, Jowai, those guys have, have, you know, lifted their game to another level and are really finishing strong. So um, loving the passion, loving the, the team uh, sort of camaraderie. If they can get over the line and get a W and, and play spoiler to Brisbane Bullets, it'd just be fantastic. I can only finish by saying I'm, I'm glad you're healthy uh, and on the mend, Pikey, and I certainly can't wait to finish with the, with the last episode um, in, in the next sort of uh, coming, in the coming weeks. 